chapter seven part three of the life of washington volume four by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seven part three insurrection and massacre in the island of san domingo early and bitter fruits of that malignant philosophy which disregarding the actual state of the world and estimating at nothing the miseries of a vast portion of the human race can coolly and deliberately pursue through oceans of blood abstract systems for the attainment of some fancied untried good were gathered in the french west indies instead of proceeding in the correction of any abuses which might exist by those slow and cautious steps which gradually introduce reform without ruin which may prepare and fit society for that better state of things designed for it and which by not attempting impossibilities may enlarge the circle of happiness the revolutionists of france formed the mad and wicked project of spreading their doctrines of equality among persons between whom distinctions and prejudices exist to be subdued only by the grave the rage excited by the pursuit of this visionary and baneful theory after many threatening symptoms burst forth on the twenty-third day of august seventeen ninety one with a fury alike destructive and general in one night a preconcerted insurrection of the blacks took place throughout the colony of san domingo and the white inhabitants of the country while sleeping in their beds were involved in one indiscriminate massacre from which neither age nor sex could afford an exemption only a few females reserved for a fate more cruel than death were intentionally spared and not many were fortunate enough to escape into the fortified cities the insurgents then assembled in vast numbers and a bloody war commenced between them and the whites inhabiting the towns the whole french part of the island was in imminent danger of being totally lost to the mother country the minister of his most christian majesty applied to the executive of the united states for a sum of money which would enable him to preserve this valuable colony to be deducted out of the debt to his sovereign and the request was granted in a manner evincing the interest taken by the administration in whatever might concern france on the part of spain a desire had been expressed to adjust the subjects in controversy between the two nations by negotiations to be carried on at madrid and mr carmichael and mr short had been appointed commissioners with powers equal to the object in the meantime the officers of that nation persisted in measures which were calculated to embroil the united states with the southern indians by their intrigues with the creeks the treaty formed in seventeen ninety with Gillivray was prevented from being ratified and the boundary line then agreed upon was not permitted to be run the indefinite claim of territory set up by spain was alleged to constitute a sufficient objection to any new line of demarcation until that claim should be settled and her previous treaties and relations with the creeks were declared to be infringed by their stipulation acknowledging themselves to be under the protection of the united states an official diplomatic intercourse had at length been opened with great britain also mr hammond the minister plenipotentiary of that nation to the united states arrived at philadelphia in the autumn of seventeen ninety one 
upon which mr thomas pinckney a gentleman of south carolina who was highly and justly respected had been charged with the interests of his country at the court of london soon after the arrival of mr hammond the non-execution of the treaty of peace became the subject of a correspondence between him and the secretary of state in which the complaints of their respective nations were urged manifesting clearly the sense entertained by each of the justice of those complaints without furnishing solid ground for the hope that they would be immediately removed on either side mr hammond's powers on the subject of a commercial treaty were far from being satisfactory to the inquiries of mr jefferson on this point he replied that he was authorized to enter into a negotiation respecting the commercial intercourse between the two countries and to discuss those principles which might serve as a basis for a treaty but not to conclude any definitive arrangements in fact there was much reason to believe that the obstacles to a commercial treaty between the two countries would not be soon or easily surmounted in america such an alteration in the law of nations as would permit the goods of an enemy to pass freely in the bottom of a neutral was a favorite project and a full participation of the colonial trade was also most earnestly desired that the latter of these objects would not be readily conceded by great britain did not admit of a doubt but many intelligent men possessing great political influence had embraced the opinion that she could be forced out of that colonial system which every european power having settlements in america had adopted by regulations restricting her navigation and commerce with the united states to those who entertained this opinion no commercial treaty could be acceptable which did not contain the concessions they required in addition to a general knowledge of the sentiments of the british cabinet on these points particular evidence had lately been received of its positive decision respecting them a comprehensive report on american affairs had been made to the privy council by a committee of that body which was laid before the king a few copies of it had been printed for the members of the cabinet which were soon called in by a sudden order of council but one of these copies was obtained and transmitted to the secretary of state of the united states this report manifested a willingness to form a commercial treaty with the american government on principles of perfect equality both with respect to navigation and commerce so far as regarded the dominions of his britannic majesty in europe but it also discovered a determination to adhere inflexibly to the existing regulations for the colonies and to reject the principle that free bottoms make free goods in this state paper the opinion was advanced that several important articles of exportation from the united states especially tobacco had been peculiarly favored in great britain but that these friendly regulations were not reciprocated by america the means of retaliating injuries which might be inflicted on british commerce were stated but those means it was said ought not hastily to be adopted the more especially as the existing government of the united states had discovered dispositions more favorable to a liberal and fair intercourse between the two countries than had been manifested by the respective states for several reasons it was deemed advisable not suddenly to disturb the existing state of things but to regulate the trade of the two nations by a treaty the stipulations of which should be equal and mutually beneficial provided such a treaty could be formed without a departure from those principles which were considered as fundamental general wayne appointed to the command of the army 
no abatement of hostility having taken place among the northwestern indians the preparations for terminating the war by the sword were earnestly pressed major-general wayne was appointed to succeed general st clair who resigned the command of the army and the utmost exertions were made to complete it to the establishment but the laws furnished such small inducements to engage in the service that the highest military grades next to that of commander-in-chief were declined by many to whom they were offered and the recruiting business advanced too slowly to authorize a hope that the decisive expedition which was meditated could be prudently undertaken in the course of the present year meanwhile the public clamor against the war continued to be loud and violent it was vehemently asserted that if the intentions of the government respecting the savages were just and humane those intentions were unknown to them and that their resentments were kept up by the aggressions of whites and by the opinion that their expulsion from the country they occupied was the object of the hostilities carried on against them however satisfied the president might be of the fallacy of these opinions they were too extensively maintained not to be respected as far as was compatible with a due regard to the real interests of the nation while therefore the preparations for offensive operations were hastened by a vigorous exertion of the means at the disposal of the executive it was thought advisable to make another effort to terminate the war by a direct communication of the pacific views of the united states the failure of these attempts was still less to be lamented than the fate of those who were employed in them colonel hardin and major truman two brave officers and valuable men were severally dispatched with propositions of peace and each was murdered by the savages meeting of congress president's speech on the fifth of november congress again convened in the speech delivered at the commencement of the session indian affairs were treated at considerable length and the continuance of the war was mentioned as a subject of much regret the reiterated endeavors it was said which had been made to effect a pacification had hitherto issued in new and outrageous proofs of persevering hostility on the part of the tribes with whom the united states were in contest a detail of the measures that had been pursued and of their consequences which would be laid before congress while it would confirm the want of success thus far would events that means as proper and as efficacious as could have been devised have been employed the issue of some of them was still pending but a favorable one though not to be dis despaired of was not promised by anything that had yet happened that a sanction commonly respected even among savages had been found insufficient to protect from massacre the emissaries of peace was particularly noticed and the families of those valuable citizens who had thus fallen victims to their zeal for the public service were recommended to the attention of the legislature that unprovoked aggression had been made by the southern indians and that there was just cause for apprehension that the war would extend to them also was mentioned as a subject of additional concern every practicable exertion had been made to be prepared for the alternative of prosecuting the war in the event of a failure of pacific overtures a large proportion of the troops authorized to be raised had been recruited though the numbers were yet incomplete and pains had been taken to discipline them and put them in a condition for the particular kind of service to be performed but a delay of operations besides being dictated by the measures that were pursuing towards a pacific termination of the war had been in itself deemed preferable to immature efforts 
the humane system which has since been successfully pursued of gradually civilizing the savages by improving their condition of diverting them in some degree from hunting to domestic and agricultural occupations by imparting to them some of the most simple and useful acquisitions of society and of conciliating them to the united states by a beneficial and well-regulated commerce had ever been a favorite object with the president and the detailed view which was now taken of indian affairs was concluded with a repetition of his recommendations of these measures the subject next adverted to in the speech was the impediments which in some places continued to embarrass the collection of the duties on spirits distilled within the united states after observing that these impediments were lessening in local extent but the symptoms of such increased opposition had lately manifested themselves in certain places as in his judgment to render his special interposition advisable the president added congress may be assured that nothing within constitutional and legal limits which may depend on me shall be wanting to assert and maintain the just authority of the laws in fulfilling this trust i shall count entirely on the full cooperation of the other departments of government and upon the zealous support of all good citizens after noticing various objects which would require the attention of the legislature the president addressed himself particularly to the house of representatives and said i entertain a strong hope that the state of the national finances is now sufficiently matured to enable you to enter upon a systematic and effectual arrangement for the regular redemption and discharge of the public debt according to the right which has been reserved to the government no measure can be more desirable whether viewed with an eye to its intrinsic importance or to the general sentiments and wish of the nation the addresses of the two houses in answer to this speech were as usual respectful and affectionate the several subjects recommended to the attention of congress were noticed either in general terms or in a manner to indicate a coincidence of sentiment between the legislative and executive departments the turbulent spirit which had manifested itself in certain parts of the union was mentioned by both houses with a just degree of censure and the measures adopted by the president as well as the resolution he expressed to compel obedience to the laws were approved and the house of representatives in the most unqualified terms declared opinions in favor of systematic and effectual arrangements for discharging the public debt but the subsequent proceedings of the legislature did not fulfil the expectations excited by this auspicious commencement of the session at an early day in a committee of the whole house on the president's speech mr fitzsimmons moved that measures for the reduction of so much of the public debt as the united states have a right to redeem ought to be adopted and that the secretary of the treasury be directed to report a plan for that purpose this motion was objected to by mr madison as being premature the state of the finances he thought was not sufficiently understood to authorize the adoption of the measure it contemplated the debate however soon took a different direction that part of the resolution which proposed a reference to the secretary of the treasury was particularly opposed and an ardent discussion ensued in which without much essential variation the arguments which had before been urged on the same subject were again employed after a vehement contest the motion to amend the resolution by striking out the proposed reference was overruled and it was carried in its original form seventeen ninety three in obedience to this order the secretary made a report 
in which he proposed a plan for the annual redemption of that portion of the debt the payment of which was warranted by the contract between the united states and their creditors but the expenses of the indian war rendering it in his opinion unsafe to rest absolutely on the existing revenue he proposed to extend the internal taxes to pleasure horses or pleasure carriages as the legislature might deem most eligible the consideration of this report was deferred on various pretexts and a motion was made to reduce the military establishment the debate on this subject was peculiarly earnest and in its progress the mode of conducting the indian war the relative merits and expensiveness of militia and of regular troops and the danger to liberty from standing armies were elaborately discussed it was not until the fourth of january that the motion was rejected while that question remained undecided the report of the secretary was unavoidably postponed because on its determination would depend in the opinion of many the necessity of additional taxes it would seem not improbable that the opponents of the american system of finances who constituted rather a minority of the present congress who indulged sanguine hopes of becoming the majority in the next were desirous of referring every question relating to the treasury department to the succeeding legislature in which there would be a more full representation of the people whatever might be the operating motives for delay neither the extension of the law imposing a duty on spirits distilled within the united states to the territory northwest of the river ohio nor the plan for redeeming the public debt which was earnestly pressed by the administration could be carried through the present congress those who claimed the favor and confidence of the people as a just reward for their general attachment to liberty and especially for their watchfulness to prevent every augmentation of debt were found in opposition to a system for its diminution which was urged by men who were incessantly charged with entertaining designs for its excessive accumulation in order to render it the corrupt instrument of executive influence it might be expected that the public attention would be attracted to such a circumstance but when party passions are highly inflamed reason itself submits to their control and becomes the instrument of their will the assertion that the existing revenues if not prodigally or corruptly wasted were sufficient for the objects contemplated by the president in his speech would constitute an ample apology for the impediments thrown in the way of a system which could not be directly disapproved and would justify a continuance of the charge that the supporters of the fiscal system were friends to the augmentation of the public debt soon after the motion for the reduction of the military establishment was disposed of another subject was introduced which effectually postponed for the present session every measure connected with the finances of the nation an act of congress which passed on the fourth of august seventeen ninety authorized the president to cause to be borrowed any sum not exceeding twelve millions of dollars to be applied in payment of the foreign debt of the united states a subsequent act which passed on the twelfth of the same month authorized another loan not exceeding two millions to be applied in aid of the sinking fund towards the extinguishment of the domestic debt a power to make these loans was delegated by the president to the secretary of the treasury by a general commission referring to the acts this commission was accompanied by written instructions directing the payment of such parts of the foreign debt as should become due at the end of the year seventeen ninety one 
but leaving the secretary with respect to the residue to be regulated by the interests of the united states under this commission two loans were negotiated in seventeen ninety and others at subsequent periods as many considerations of convenience opposed such an arrangement as would appropriate all the monies arising from either of these loans to one object to the total exclusion of the other and no motive was perceived for thus unnecessarily fettering the operations of the treasury each loan was negotiated under both laws and consequently the monies produced by each were applicable to both objects in such proportions as the president might direct it has been already observed that his written instructions had ordered the payment of those instalments of the foreign debt which should become due before the first of january seventeen ninety two but no further sums on that account were to be borrowed until supplemental orders to that effect should be given unless a loan could be made on such terms as would render it advantageous to the united states to anticipate the payments to their foreign creditors it being the opinion of both the president and secretary that the official powers of the latter authorized him to draw the monies borrowed for domestic purposes into the treasury where they would form a part of the sinking fund and be applicable to the objects of that fund in conformity with the laws of appropriation no written instructions were given respecting that part of the subject but in the progress of the business every material step which was taken was communicated to the president and his directions obtained upon it while the chief magistrate remained at the seat of government these communications were verbal when absent they were made by letter at this period the domestic debt bore a low price in the market and foreign capital was pouring into the united states for its purchase the immediate application of the sinking fund to this object would consequently acquire a large portion of the debt and would also accelerate its appreciation the best interests of the united states and his own fame thus impelling the secretary to give the operations of the sinking fund the utmost activity of which it was susceptible he had with the approbation of the president directed a part of the first loan to be paid in discharge of the instalments of the foreign debt which were actually due and had drawn a part of it into the public treasury in aid of the sinking fund in may seventeen ninety one instructions were given to the agent of the united states in europe to apply the proceeds of future loans as they should accrue in payments to france except such sums as should be previously and specially reserved in the execution of these instructions some delay intervened which was to be ascribed among other causes to representations made by the french minister of marine that a plan would be adopted to which a decree of the national assembly was requisite for converting a large sum into supplies for san domingo and to a desire on the part of the agent to settle previously to further payments a definitive rule by which the monies paid should be liquidated and credited to the united states the disordered state of french affairs protracted both the one and the other of these causes of delay to a later period than had been expected and in the meantime the secretary continued to draw into the united states such portions of these loans as were destined to be brought in aid of the sinking fund such was the state of this transaction when the commencement of those calamities which have finally overwhelmed san domingo induced the american government on the urgent application of the french minister to furnish supplies to that ill-fated colony in payment of the debt to france this being a mode of payment which to a certain extent was desired by the creditor and was advantageous to the debtor 
a consequent disposition prevailed to use it so far as might comport with the wish of the french government and a part of the money designed for foreign purposes was drawn into the united states in the course of these operations a portion of the instalments actually due to france had been permitted to remain unsatisfied a part of the money borrowed in europe being thus applicable to the extinguishment of the domestic debt and a part of the domestic revenue being applicable to the payment of interest due on the loans made in europe the secretary of the treasury had appropriated a part of the money arising from foreign loans to the payment of interest due abroad which had been replaced by the application of money in the treasury arising from domestic resources to the purchase of the domestic debt the secretary had not deemed it necessary to communicate these operations in detail to the legislature but some hints respecting them having been derived either from certain papers which accompanied a report made to the house of representatives early in the session or from some other source mr giles on the twenty third of january moved several resolutions requiring information among other things on the various points growing out of these loans and the application of the monies arising from them and respecting the unapplied revenues of the united states and the places in which the sums so unapplied were deposited in the speech introducing these resolutions observations were made which very intelligibly implied charges of a much more serious nature than inattention to the exact letter of an appropriation law estimates were made to support the position that a large balance of public money was unaccounted for the resolutions were agreed to without debate and in a few days the secretary transmitted a report containing the information that was required this report comprehended a full exposition of the views and motives which had regulated the conduct of the department and a very able justification of the measures which had been adopted but omitted to state explicitly that part of the money borrowed in europe had been drawn into the united states with the sanction of the president it is also chargeable with some expressions which cannot be pronounced unexceptionable but which may find their apology in the feelings of a mind conscious of its own uprightness and wounded by the belief that the proceedings against him had originated in a spirit hostile to fair inquiry these resolutions the observations which accompanied them and the first number of the report were the signals for a combined attack on the secretary of the treasury through the medium of the press many anonymous writers appeared who assailed the head of that department with a degree of bitterness indicative of the spirit in which the inquiry was to be conducted resolutions implicating the secretary of the treasury rejected on the twenty seventh of february not many days after the last number of the report was received mr giles moved sundry resolutions which were founded on the information before the house the idea of a balance unaccounted for was necessarily relinquished but the secretary of the treasury was charged with neglect of duty in failing to give congress official information of the monies drawn by him from europe into the united states with violating the law of the fourth of august seventeen ninety by applying a portion of the principal barred under it to the payment of interest and by drawing a part of the same monies into the united states without instructions from the president with deviating from the instructions of the president in other respects with negotiating a loan at the bank contrary to the public interest while public monies to a greater amount than were required lay unemployed in the bank and with an indecorum to the house in undertaking to judge of its motives in calling for information which was demandable of him from the constitution of his office and in failing to give all the necessary information within his knowledge relative to subjects on which certain specified references had been previously made to him 
these resolutions were followed by one directing that a copy of them should be transmitted to the president of the united states the debate on this subject which commenced on the twenty eighth of february was continued to the first of march and was conducted with a spirit of acrimony towards the secretary demonstrating the soreness of the wounds that had been given and received in the political and party wars which had been previously waged it terminated in a rejection of all the resolutions the highest number voting in favor of any one of them was sixteen congress adjourns on the third of march a constitutional period was put to the existence of the present congress the members separated with obvious symptoms of extreme irritation various causes the most prominent of which have already been noticed had combined to organize two distinct parties in the united states which were rapidly taking the form of a ministerial and an opposition party by that in opposition the president was not yet openly renounced his personal influence was too great to be encountered by a direct avowal that he was at the head of their adversaries and his public conduct did not admit of a suspicion that he could allow himself to rank as the chief of a party nor could public opinion be seduced to implicate him in the ambitious plans and dark schemes for the subversion of liberty which were ascribed to a part of the administration and to the leading members who had supported the measures of finance adopted by the legislature yet it was becoming apparent that things were taking a course which must inevitably involve him in the political conflicts which were about to take place it was apparent that the charges against the secretary of the treasury would not be relinquished and that they were of a nature to affect the chief magistrate materially should his countenance not be withdrawn from that officer it was equally apparent that the fervor of democracy which was perpetually manifesting itself in the papers in invectives against levies against the trappings of royalty and against the marks of peculiar respect which were paid to the president must soon include him more pointedly in its strictures these divisions which are inherent in the nature of popular governments by which the chief magistrate however unexceptionable his conduct and however exalted his character must sooner or later be more or less affected were beginning to be essentially influenced by the great events of europe progress of the french revolution and its effects on parties in the united states that revolution which has been the admiration the wonder and the terror of the civilized world had from its commencement been viewed in america with the deepest interest in its first stage but one sentiment respecting it prevailed and that was a belief accompanied with an ardent wish that it would improve the condition of france extend the blessings of liberty and promote the happiness of the human race when the labors of the convention had terminated in a written constitution this unanimity of opinion was in some degree impaired by a few who had thought deeply on the science of government and who if not more intelligent certainly judged more dispassionately than their fellow-citizens that instrument was believed to contain the principles of self-destruction it was feared that a system so ill-balanced could not be permanent a deep impression was made on the same persons by the influence of the galleries over the legislature and of mobs over the executive by the tumultuous assemblages of the people and their licentious excesses during the short and sickly existence of the regal authority these did not appear to be the symptoms of a healthy constitution or of genuine freedom persuaded that the present state of things could not last they doubted and they feared for the future in total opposition to this sentiment was that of the public there seems to be something infectious in the example of a powerful and enlightened nation verging towards democracy which imposes on the human mind and leads human reason in fetters novelties introduced by such a nation are stripped 
of the objections which have been preconceived against them and long settled opinions yield to the overwhelming weight of such dazzling authority it wears the semblance of being the sense of mankind breaking loose from the shackles which have been imposed by artifice and asserting the freedom and the dignity of his nature the constitution of france therefore was generally received with unqualified plaudits the establishment of a legislature consisting of a single body was defended not only as being adapted to the particular situation of that country but as being right in itself certain anonymous writers who supported the theory of a balanced government were branded as the advocates of royalty and of aristocracy to question the duration of the present order of things was thought to evidence an attachment to unlimited monarchy or a blind prejudice in favor of british institutions and the partiality of america in favor of a senate was visibly declining in this stage of the revolution however the division of sentiment was not marked with sufficient distinctness nor the passions of the people agitated with sufficient violence for any powerful effect to be produced on the two parties in america but when the monarchy was completely overthrown and a republic decreed the people of the united states seemed electrified by the measure and its influence was felt by the whole society the war in which the several potentates of europe were engaged against france although in almost every instance declared by that power was pronounced to be a war for the extirpation of human liberty and for the banishment of free government from the face of the earth the preservation of the constitution of the united states was supposed to depend on its issue and the coalition against france was treated as a coalition against america also a cordial wish for the success of the french arms or rather that the war might terminate without any diminution of french power and in such a manner as to leave the people of that country free to choose their own form of government was perhaps universal but respecting the probable issue of their internal conflicts perfect unanimity of opinion did not prevail by some few individuals the practicability of governing by a system formed on the republican model an immense populous and military nation whose institutions habits and morals were adapted to monarchy and which was surrounded by armed neighbors was deemed a problem which time alone could solve the circumstances under which the abolition of royalty was declared the massacres which preceded it the scenes of turbulence and violence which were acted in every part of the nation appeared to them to present an awful and doubtful state of things respecting which no certain calculations could be made and the idea that a republic was to be introduced and supported by force was to them a paradox in politics under the influence of these appearances the apprehension was entertained that if the ancient monarchy should not be restored a military despotism would be established by the many these unpopular doubts were deemed unpardonable heresies and the few to whom they were imputed were pronounced hostile to liberty a suspicion that the unsettled state of things in france had contributed to suspend the payment of the debt to that nation had added to the asperity with which the resolutions on that subject were supported and the french revolution will be found to have had great influence on the strength of parties and on the subsequent political transactions of the united states End of chapter seven part three end of the life of washington volume four by john marshall